If you've ever watched a Bruce Lee or a Chuck Norris movie, maybe even all the way up to Tony Jaa, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then chances are you have become enamored with the martial arts in some way, shape, or form. But where did it all come from? How did it get to the point that it's at now? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to The Martial Lifestyle. I am Danny, your host. I've been in the martial arts for 23 years, and I thought today I would uh, break from the traditional and go straight to the history of the martial arts. Uh, This was recommended to me by a friend of mine who is not in the martial arts that found it really, really interesting as to some of the aspects that he heard in one of the prior podcasts, so I thought I'd go ahead and take it and run with it. So let's get started. Martial arts started long before anybody believes. Um, Many people will take it back to a gentleman named Gichin Funakoshi. Uh, It goes way further back than that. The uh, earliest recordings of martial arts are somewhere around 2000 BC in ancient Greece. And much of that was based around... Uh, the living situation with animals being ferocious and humans having to defend themselves against it. Uh, In many cases, because of this animal hunting and defense from all of these native animals, they had to develop a fighting style that would somewhat take care of that problem. Uh, In many of those cases, they simply mimicked those animals, henceforth many of the animal styles that have been taught throughout the years, Uh, and like tiger and crane and, you know, all those animal style martial arts, that's kind of where it came from. But it wasn't just in ancient Greece, it was kind of all over regionally. So whatever native animal was their prey for dinner or was attacking at that particular spot, that's kind of what they had to base their movements on. So fast forward a few thousand years. Uh, We are in the 5th century BC, and a guy named Damo came into the picture. He was an Indian monk. He was from India, and he had gone to China where the Shaolin Temple is. And when he got there, he was incredibly upset by the fitness level and condition of the monks. They were in very, very poor health, and this upset him to the umpteenth degree. When he came in contact with them, he ended up uh, deciding to retire, and he went up to a cave and the rumor has it, the, the story as it goes, is that he meditated for nine years in a cave. Uh, during that nine years, he fell asleep one time. And when he woke up, he was so upset with himself for having broken his meditation that he cut his eyelids off. Now, if that ain't crazy, I don't know what is. Uh, at any rate, uh, and and the story goes on to say that the spot where his eyelids dropped after he cut him off sprung the very first tea leaves in that area. Uh, But that's a side note. He then returned to the Shaolin Temple, and what he brought with him was a huge change for them. Uh, It was a 
regiment of internal meditations as well as 18 different exercises. Now, these exercises were intended to teach them how to channel and disperse their chi uh, as well as center their, you know, their mindset, their balance in life, and to direct said chi into an attack. Uh, those 18 exercises and internal meditations became what is known as Luhan Quan, which is the Shaolin style martial arts. He is long since known as the founder of the Shaolin arts, and he also spread Zen Buddhism through China, which is kind of part of why uh, many myths have it that martial arts are embedded in religion, specifically Buddhism. Uh, at this point, in, in our day and age, it has very little to do with that, with exception of uh, you know some of the other places worldwide. They still practice that uh, religious acts aspect to it uh, in depth, but those are uh, those are kind of the exception rather than the rule these days. At any rate, uh, moving on, we got to fast forward a few thousand years again. You know, in between all this, this is kind of being handed down from generation to generation, from family to family, and uh, you know they take on specific people that were dedicated to learning what style they were teaching. Well, it finally gets down to a gentleman named Gichin Funakoshi, and he was born in 1868. He lived until 1957. Uh, Gichin is what is known as the father of modern karate. Now, what that basically means is his belief was he wanted karate to spread. He wanted to create a larger-than-life type thing with it. He wanted to expand it across the world because he had several things that the prior warriors did not. Uh, and those several things were his philosophies around the martial arts. His philosophies were more based around becoming a better human being. So in order for him to teach you any of his art style, he needed to know that you were also... Uh, abiding by those standards that he set, which we'll talk about momentarily, uh, to become a better human being. Uh, it wasn't so much about destroying your enemy or destroying whatever animal is attacking you. It was more based around being a better human being, having better characteristics to live a better life. So he created the art called Shotokan, which is probably one of the more famous uh, karate do traditional martial arts uh, as far as Japanese arts go. He uh, also changed the written characters of karate to mean empty hand instead of what was at that time known as China hand, which directly referred to the Tang dynasty. Uh, but the term empty hand means not tethered to any object, and he felt this wholly appropriate for the martial art of karate uh, because essentially it was learning to use just your hands and feet, your body, to uh, take down your opponent. Uh, eventually, staff was added in, 
and some of the other weapons uh, based on the imperialistic world that they were in. Uh, and many people who were in Japan were farmers. And the emperor did not allow them to carry weapons. Therefore, they had to learn to use whatever they happened to use for their farming. Uh, so like, for instance, a bow staff. Put two buckets on the end, fill them with water. You know, that was how they carried their water buckets. Uh, the commas, there's a stick with a hook blade on it. That was for, you know, chopping down wheat or whatever their harvest was. Uh, you know, that type of thing. But they had to develop methods of using those to defend themselves when attacked by either, you know, other rivaled farmlands trying to take theirs or maybe uh, maybe the emperor wasn't happy with them and wanted to take their land or you know, milk them dry for everything they had. Uh, but that's kind of how the weaponry came into it at the time. It was just based out of necessity. They had to find something to use because they weren't allowed to carry swords. They weren't allowed to carry the traditional weapons that the empire was carrying with them. So he uh, developed what he calls the 20 principles to abide to and that is to become a better human being. Those 20 principles are kind of what we base modern martial arts off of. So they came directly from Bushido and you know the Zen Buddhist nature of what martial arts had been spread. Now, originally, Funakoshi's teacher, uh, his teachers, I should say, there were two of them, they were directly in line with a Chinese martial artist, which I'm assuming was directly in line with this whole Damo experience. And that kind of led down to where we're coming into the Americas and moving west, so to speak. So as it moves west, movies start coming out and you get, you know, people like Bruce Lee, uh, Chuck Norris, all, all the greats. And those started to filter in shortly after, you know, the, the American side started fighting in uh, Korea. And in Korea, they became acquainted with Taekwondo, the Korean art. Uh, at which point the military men were trained in this for their own self-defense, so to speak. Uh, and they began to see the value in it. Up until that point, it was pretty much seen as overly dramatic dance, which is sad to say what a lot of people will call kata these days. I, I, don't, I don't believe that in the least bit. Uh, even Funakoshi was a huge fan of kata. Uh, he was predominant in the kata, and the uh, you know that dates all the way back to Dan Mo. There were I think six forms that they called it from Shaolin that he created to develop that chi structure and the overall physical fitness and the ability to handle both of those in balance with each other. So as it starts to move west, uh, the movies start coming out, and that 
piques interest into the martial arts, people start joining these schools that the military men had come back and started because they rather enjoyed it. They found the use, the benefit from it, and they wanted to bring it back and teach. So as that started to occur, people started to filter into these schools and they would learn things like Taekwondo and then karate and all of these other arts started making their way west. Funakoshi is the one who started that by moving uh, from his native land of Okinawa onto the mainland of Japan. Once he was there, he was asked to give demonstrations of his art and, you know, all of that occurred and people started peaking interest and he was asked back like two or three more times. And from that point, he decided to stay there because his, the last time he was invited was to give a demonstration in front of the uh, emperor and the emperor's family, which is a huge honor. So he ended up staying there and creating a school in Japan, which essentially became what is known as Shotokan Karate. Well, all these other schools start opening up thereafter, so that's why he is kind of known as the father of modern martial arts, because he's the one that kind of developed it into a club atmosphere, to where it became, you know, schools in and of themselves. Uh, it It is still very, very popular over there, and uh, I, I don't know for sure, but I think I heard somewhere that uh, over there it is a mandatory class in their schooling system. Uh, you can check on fact check me on that. I'm not totally sure. Uh, I had heard that somewhere. I, I cannot uh, prove or disprove that fact. At any rate, as the martial arts started permeating into America, it was a very serious, hard fighting art. And it was, it, you know, it became a combat sport of sorts because it was done in a ring, uh, you know. And, Bruce Lee introduced the idea of gloves and footwear and that type of stuff for sparring so that you did not mortally wound or injure your opponent. But it was still a very, very hard-fought style. And then something happened. In the 1980s, there was a movie that came out about a kid named Daniel LaRusso. Most of you will probably know what I'm referring to. Uh, if you don't, you should really check it out. Uh, the movie was called The Karate Kid, and it was about a young teenage boy who f ended up moving from his home in, uh, I think it was, he, he ended up moving to California. Uh, and it and he's from Reseda, but he run, has a run-in with a jerk martial arts school uh, called Cobra Kai, which I'm sure the youngsters know all about right now because that is a huge TV show, uh, kind of revamping what Cobra Kai has become. At any rate, he has a run-in. He ends up learning karate from a essentially a handyman at the apartment building he was living at. And, you know, he goes back and ends up, in in the end, defeating the other students from that jerk school and, uh, you know, making everything right. And then there were subsequent, you know, uh, sequels to that. But because of that movie, at, I, I don't know why or at what point, but 
the whole demographic of karate changed. It went from predominantly adult, or all adult in most cases, and it started to shift to a child's activity. So this is where the state of martial arts has gone to. Uh, it you know it it started out as a combative style to defend yourself against animals that were you know preying on you or animals that you were preying on to feed your family, and it has you know kind of developed its way down to what it is today through the distribution of many different art styles from many different areas of the world. And they've all kind of got their own set standard. They've all got their own style, as they call it. Uh, You know, some are based on ground fighting. Some are based on kicking. Some are based on punching and kicking. Some are based on grappling. Some are based on throwing. And they all came from these different regions. And then... As it became a child activity, things start shifting. And as that shifted, I think a lot of adults lost sight of the actual usability in life for the martial arts. Now, we are a society that, you know, we're not at war. We don't have a whole lot of, you know, big conflict going on that we need to defend ourselves from on a daily basis unless you live in some fairly bad areas, which there are. I'm not not going to discount the people that do live in those situations because, yes, they they do exist. But in our modern society, uh, it seems these days we are being taught more to talk things out. And, uh, you know, that is a really, really good method. You know, the best fight is the one that you don't have to fight. But where it pertains to the martial arts is those principles that Funakoshi created for becoming a better human being. And many of those are taught throughout all of the masses of martial arts schools these days, or at least should be. Uh, They're taught because as children coming into that school, parents want to know that their child is being taught A, how to defend themselves, B, how to be respectful, C, how to discipline themselves and, you know, do what they need to do, how to control themselves and how to feel confident in themselves. Those are the those are the real big premise of a parent coming into a school for the most part. I usually do not in my entire career. I I can maybe count on one hand the amount of times that I've had a parent come in with their child wanting to, you know, enroll in the school and say, I want you to teach my kid how to kick the hell out of somebody. No, it just, it doesn't happen. Like this day and age, that is not what a parent seems to want. They want their child to learn the basic tenets of a good life. You know, they want that higher standard for their child of respect, self-discipline, you know, self-control, all of those wonderful character traits that I talked about in, in 
uh, one of my previous podcasts, uh, courtesy, loyalty, uh, integrity, all of those things that make you a better you. So that's kind of in a nutshell, you know, this is, this is the short version. Maybe I'll do a part two on this, but this is kind of a quick overview of where did the martial arts actually come from and, you know, how did it become what it is today? Today, the martial arts sees many, many different things, uh, especially with UFC, UFC is mixed martial arts incarnate, uh, and it has grown in popularity for many, many years recently. Uh, there's also, you know, the extreme martial arts, which I know a lot of traditionalists can't stand because they're acrobatics, you know, people letting go of their weapons, all that stuff. But whether you like it or not, these are all aspects that have been blended into the martial arts. It's not that those have become martial arts. They have all been blended into. So even Bruce Lee was, you know, famous for saying something to the effect of, you know, take what you learn, keep what's useful, and, you know, create whatever else you find to be handy. You know, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you can learn all this stuff. But for instance, there are several different types of fighters. There are like brawlers, there's grapplers, there's kickers, you know, all these different styles of fighting. And some of it is not going to be useful for you. Some of it is going to be incredibly useful for you. The stuff like extreme martial arts where there's the acrobatics and tossing weapons and stuff like that, that is control-based and self-improvement. It takes an incredible amount of skill. It's a huge challenge and it is a, it is a form of self-improvement, which I believe firmly would fall along the beliefs of Gichin Funakoshi. I believe he wanted the martial arts to be a self-improvement activity more so than a combat activity where all that matters is how do you destroy another human being. I don't think that was his intent with spreading karate to Japan and subsequently it moving west from there. So I don't feel poorly about any art in any style, from any region, for any reason. Uh, I feel like all of them are wonderful. All of them have their own aspects that they are incredibly educated in, that they are incredibly useful in. And I think a little bit of everything goes a long way. You know, that whole jack-of-all-trades thing, there's an end to that which is typically omitted. And what it basically says is that you know, many times a jack of all trades is better than a master of one. You know, that's essentially what it breaks down to. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at martial arts styles and hearing guys asking, well, what's the best martial art? The best martial art is the one that you practice, the one that you enjoy, 
the one that you are willing to put your time and efforts into learning the best that you can possibly learn it. It's come from thousands and thousands of years. And no matter if you're a traditional, contemporary, extreme MMA fighter, whatever your art style is, if it's what you enjoy and you feel that it makes you a better person for having done it, it's the best style for you. That is my personal view. That's my opinion on it. Uh, you know, you can feel free to disagree. And if you do, you know, by all means, put it down into the comments. I'm all about, you know, civil discourse and discussion. I would love to have discussions with you guys. In fact, I intend to, uh, on uh, an upcoming episode, I intend to have one of my martial arts friends on. And we are going to discuss some other martial arts related topics as well as just kind of have a discussion back and forth on what we feel is the state of martial arts and, you know, what we got into it for and, you know, whether or not we feel that it's being delivered on a mass scale in the martial arts, I guess, industry, if you want to call it that. But yeah, I, I want to talk to you guys. I want to see what you think. You know, fact check me on the history stuff. Uh, some of these are, you know, books I've read. Some of them are things I've found online. Some of them are videos from other martial arts historians. So feel free to fact check me on it. I have no issue, you know, retracting or whatever, so anything that I said that may have been wrong. But this is what I have found in the research that I have done. I am always open to learning more about it because I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love the martial arts. I've dedicated literally, as of February, I have dedicated half of my life to the martial arts. Uh, 23 years. I'm, I'm now 46. Uh, and I've dedicated half of my life to the martial arts. And I absolutely love it. I think it is the second best decision of my life. And I, I say that because I am married and I do have a family. So second best decision of my life, I know I'm well-trained. Just keep that in mind. If ever my wife speaks to you, let her know that I said that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I love the martial arts. I think it is the greatest thing for anyone and everyone to ever make the choice to do. Uh, you will learn skills to defend yourself. You will learn skills that go above and beyond that. And you will learn skills to be a better you. You will learn more about yourself and how to conduct yourself to live a higher standard than you ever would without it. That is my firm belief in the martial arts. That is my firm opinion on any art, and I don't care what it is, if it's judo, taekwondo, shotokan, you know, anything, any art, if you love it, it's going to make you better. That's kind of what we try to do. We try to take good people and make them even better. That is uh, one of our founding principles at the school I teach at. We take good people and we make them better. So, I don't know if this resonates with any of you, but I hope it does. And if it does, you know, feel free to let me know. You can find all of my social medias, 
uh, all over the place. Just look up Super Shea Tutorials, you'll find me. Or look up Danny. Uh, let's see, uh, where else do I... Actually, Touche Productions. Touche Productions is a website you can find all of my social media platforms, all of my videos, everything I do, uh, you can find it there. So make sure you check that out. It's 2SHEA productions.com. But I want to thank everybody that is listening to this. I appreciate you taking the time. I hope that uh, some of this stuff interests you. And if you've never done martial arts, consider it. I I believe it would be a good thing for you. If you've done martial arts, I applaud you regardless of your art. Uh, You know, I think it was probably a great decision to do it. And I'm quite sure that you've seen a ton of benefits from it. So thank you all for being here. I will be back next week. And I look forward to talking with you all then. Have a phenomenal, awesome week.